Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. Highland by Lucy Catherine. Thunderous Day. Thursday, 4.48am. I'm back at the desk. On screen, the Fording Bridge headquarters security cameras endlessly loop through their cycle. Nothing to report, sir. Until camera A7 monitoring Bill Gates is highlighted on my feed. A car pulls up, expensive looking, very clean. A familiar figure gets out of the passenger side and approaches the retina scanner, looks into the lens. The gates obediently open. Bob! What's going on? Nothing that concerns you. The scanners run a search on the driver, picking up data from their identity chip. A medic from the emergency department at Harland Hospital. It's all under control. Go back to sleep, Dan. Two images crowd into my head. Both the moments when my eyes met Sarah's. Firstly, in the basement office at the mall as the floodwaters rose. I'm standing on my desk, frozen with dread, regretting that I never learned to swim and convinced I will drown. Sarah surfaces out of the black water and locks onto me. Dan! Are you in there? Sarah! Over here! At that moment, I know I am saved. The other is the strange, unsettling vision of the four women dressed in rags, crouching around the crescent-shaped stone which appeared in the middle of the lake. One of them is Sarah. She looks up and makes eye contact. I feel how deeply I am in her debt. I owe her my life. Everything. The time has come to pay it all back. Congratulations, Dan. What for? You spotted someone entering the complex after hours. That shouldn't be a novelty for a security guard, but it is for you. Why has a doctor been called? You can go. I'm here now. I'll take the rest of the shift. I've still got two hours left. Just go home, Dan. Look, I know it's been a difficult week, and right now you hate me. I get it. But I want to keep this job. Is there any hope? Could we start again? Made any progress in identifying our mysterious intruder? Not much. Time's running out. If you don't come up with something in the next 24 hours, that's it. Game over. I'll finally get the satisfaction of dismissing you. That's a no, then. I'm actually extremely happy that Mr Fordingbridge offered you this stay of execution. Tomorrow, when I get to escort you off the premises for the last time, the taste will be all the sweeter for it. There's a lot to be said for delaying gratification. Bye, Dan. There is no hope, none whatsoever. I was an idiot to think otherwise. Nothing I do or say can make any difference to the overall trajectory. I will be fired. The temperature will continue to rise. The weather will become more extreme. Sarah is out of reach, probably dead, but perhaps in some impossible other dimension. 
The traces of her haunting me of late are simply the result of my overactive imagination. Yet, hope persists, as does the urge to do something. Something that might make a difference. Jaggers, yesterday I swore to myself I would never return here. Somehow, they seem to have made the coffee taste even worse today. No news is good news. True <laughs> enough. What have you got for me? A double espresso and a slice of pizza. I mean, why did you call? Have you been at my house? No. Someone has. My journal's been taken. Why would anyone be interested in your journal? It's important. I think it contains the key. What's in it? Every strange occurrence I've observed in Harland over the years. The answers are all in there. If someone knew what they were looking for, they could find it, and now it's gone. Report it online. They'll issue you with a crime number. I was going to write about the stone in there. What stone? The stone that's appeared in the lake. It's ancient, historical. There's going to be a dig. Could be something quite special. You haven't had a lot of sleep recently, have you? It's significant. I saw it in the game first, and then it appeared in Harlem. You seem confused. Jessica Clark's sister was putting up the cordon. She was wearing the ring, the Order of Milangeth. It's all connected. I just don't know how yet. Janice Clark. She works for the Parks Department. You know about her? We are the police, Dan. We've got the basics covered. Can you help me find my journal or not? If I were you, I'd go home and take another look. You're tired. You probably just mislaid it. Morning, Dan. Morning. You're late back. Good shift. Awful. Hope you've been thinking about what I said. What cheer up or get out. In your own best interests. Yeah, it's not really helping me feel good about myself, Dad. I'm going to go and get my head down for a bit. I'll be at the plot. Calm down once you've had a rest. You can help me dig out the compost heap. To sweat is to live. Oh, I don't think living can have ever held less appeal. Loading. Enchanter's Law. My bedroom was my safe space. I was secure. I could relax here and escape into the world of Enchanter's Law. Even that's been violated. But I have to go somewhere to get away from the empty shell of my life. From myself. Loading complete. This time when I materialise, the Valley of the Ferns is utterly transformed. Before, it's been a verdant landscape, lush and green. Now the trees are stripped bare, all the limbs grey and lifeless, the river itself reduced to a desperate trickle. The air is thick with dust and smoke. Somewhere nearby, a fire burns, and the only sound is that of a stiff, desolate breeze whipping across the scorched ground. Serena! Serena, where are you? The voice seems to come from every direction. I stagger through the pungent smog, utterly lost. Eventually, I find myself in a clearing next to a great old tree. Time is running out! The voice rises up from beneath, from inside the earth. I scrabble around on the ground below the tree, brushing away the thin soil, looking for an opening to some underground chamber. All I find are roots and soil. Then, without warning, the ground gives way. A wound opens under my feet. A deep, cold grave. I am falling, and then everything is still. 
I pull myself up into a sitting position and brush some of the debris off. Lying next to me in the grave is the body of a young woman. A teenager. Someone I found once before. Unconscious inside the witch elm. Evie. Evie, what are you doing here? Evie's body is lifeless and cold. Sallow skin and sunken eyes. Her hands clasped together across her abdomen. Beneath them, a book. My journal. Come on, come on. Everything all right in there, Dan? Um, yep, yeah, all good, Dad. See you later. We are all just dying when you think about it. But this is different. This is not a distant hypothetical. This is an emergency. We are about to die. It is imminent. There's no time to carefully unscrew the fixings from the wall. Instead, I push the screwdriver down behind the panel and prise it off. Flakes of plaster showering down on the carpet as the wall plugs are ripped out. Oh, there you are. <laughs> Hello? Lindsay, where are you? Why are you calling? I think I know something. What exactly? I'm not sure whether I should tell you or not. Well, now you've said that much, you have to. How do I know I can trust you? Your journal being stolen was nothing to do with me, I swear. I know that now. And I think I know where Evie Bennett is. <sighs> Go through it one more time. So a voice was calling my name, then a hole opened in the ground. Like a mini sinkhole. Or a grave. And in the grave was Evie's body. Holding your journal. And when I checked, it was back in its hiding place. You don't think you just overlooked it yesterday? No. Well, how can you be sure? Because there's something in it which wasn't there before. What is it? Look. I open the journal and show her the drawing. What is this? It's from the game. The Abbey of St Carsten. I drew it a couple of days ago. And what is the significance? Well, look closely. There's something written on the door. Oh, it's quite hard to make out. <laughs> I took a photo on my phone and I magnified it. Here. B42. I think it means Evie is at the Fording Bridge headquarters. Why? Camera B42 is the one that monitors the entrance to the high security area. You didn't write this? No. It appeared while the journal was missing. We have to find her and the baby. If we don't, then all is lost. We have to get in there. I don't think I can. Your days as an ineffectual coward are over. It, my career in security will be finished. No disrespect, but you don't have a career. You have a job that you don't care about. This is far more important. I knew this was the right time to return, that I would meet someone significant, that this person would help create the opportunity for me to redeem my wrongdoing. It's, it's all unfolded, just as I knew it would. You're a part of that, whether you like it or not. Oh. I don't have the necessary level of clearance to access the high-security facility. Who does? Senior staff. Who? The kind of people that I have no contact with. There must be someone. Only Bob, my boss. Right. Find a way to make him provide access. But he hates me. I'm sure he doesn't. He told me to my face yesterday. You have to. And you have to get me in there with you. This is insane. It cannot possibly work. Yet here we are. Outside the HQ, as the clock edges towards midnight. What are we waiting for? Someone will be covering my shift. They'll be watching. 
When we get close to the gates, the motion sensors will react, and the camera covering that area will be highlighted to the operative. Stop being so negative. This won't work. Quite possibly. There's only one way to find out. Well, it seems quiet thus far. Stop talking. We're almost at the gate. Shh. Well, you said the alarms might sound as soon as we were picked up on camera. Lindsay, I know you're nervous, but stop the chat. This is the moment of truth. Good luck. Deep breath. Compose myself. A quick glance up at the camera, then lean forward and look into the retina scanner. Oh. Well, that doesn't sound good. What is it? It's weird that the system thinks I'm already inside. Are we locked out or not? Technically, yes. It must be some kind of glitch. Oh. I can reset it from here, sign out and sign in again. Bill Gates slides open and invites us to enter. Welcome to the home of Fording Bridge Incorporated. We're in. We walk across the forecourt to the security department doors. The retina scanner works fine. As we nervously make our way down the corridors to the main office, I can sense the viewfinders of the motion-activated cameras following our progress. Whoever's taken my shift must be seeing this. How could they not? The walls seem to whisper to me that this cannot possibly end well. What do they know? No alarms have been triggered yet. This is it. The nerve centre. There's no one here. The office is empty and silent. No sign of anyone covering my shift. On screen, the camera watching this room is highlighted. On screen, I see someone who looks uncertain, confused, anxious. Someone with no clue what to do next. So? So. How do we find Evie? I don't know if we can. Huh? What was that? Came from in there. On the far side of the room, in a dimly lit area, a series of storage cabinets. Approaching cautiously, something on the floor catches my eye. Oh, my God. What is it? Look. Blood. A lot of blood. Oh, it's leaking out from inside the cupboard. This is bad. We should go. Someone must be in there. Let's go, Lindsay. Come on. Open the door. They may need our help. No. Get away from me. Leave me. Please. Bob. Bob, what happened to you? Get off me. Easy, Bob. It's me. This man is your boss. Easy. It's only Dan. Get away from me. You evil bastard. Bob is terrified. His shirt front sodden with blood that oozes from a gaping wound in his chest. One side of his face has been savaged. It looks like a butcher's block. A twisted mess of blood, bone and sinew. You need medical attention. We can help you. Help me! <laughs> You're losing a lot of blood, Bob. Please. You did this. You stabbed me. You put the knife in my chest. Stay away from me. Stay away. This is his last stand. The effort seems to sap the final reserves of life energy left in his body. Suddenly, he grips his chest and freezes with a look of pure horror. He collapses out of the cupboard into the lake of his own blood, which is pooled on the floor underneath the doors. Oh! Oh! Jesus! No pulse. Help me roll him over. Is he gone? Yes. 
This is horrible. Severe blood loss can result in cardiac arrest. What happened to his face? Oh, it's been mashed to a pulp. We have to get out of here while we still can. Pull yourself together, Dan. This cannot stop us. Bob has been torn to pieces. We need to call the police. We must achieve our objective. The killer could still be inside the building. Looking for Evie, exactly like we are. You don't know that. I'm sure of it. And we must get to her first. But how, exactly? If she's in the high-security area, then the one guy who could have got us in is lying dead at our feet. You're afraid. Obviously, I'm afraid. It's hair mask. It might not be hair mask. That's just an assumption. Right, well, let's find out, shall we? I call up the footage for the previous hour from camera 21, the one monitoring this room. Bob sitting at the desk, diligently watching the screen. He must have stepped in to cover me when I didn't show up. All is quiet and completely normal. Scroll through. Just ten minutes before we arrive, something catches Bob's attention. He looks at the monitoring screen, agitated, irritated. He gets up and stands facing the door, preparing to confront the new arrival. Oh, my Lord. Dan. On screen, the door slides open and a man steps into the room. A man who looks a lot like me, identical to me, in fact. My double in every respect. Except that on screen, the image occasionally pixelates and glitches. All right, you win. It's hair mask. Bob launches into a tirade, berating me for being late again. Berating a being that he thinks is me, but it's not. After a few moments, the fake me reaches a hand inside its jacket and pulls out a knife, thrusting it at Bob three, four, five times. He collapses to the floor. No wonder he was terrified. He thought you'd come back to finish him off. On screen... Hairmask exits the room, leaving Bob writhing, his hands covering his face. With a huge effort, he steadies himself, thinks, begins the painful job of hauling himself across the floor to the cabinet, looking for a place to hide. At a certain point, the camera picks up his face clearly. One of his eyes has been ripped out. The whole of the left side of his face streams with blood. Why? Why would he do something so cruel? I tap into the history from some of the other cameras, track the journey of Hair Mask, across the atrium to the lift, from there up to the top floor. He's going to the high security area, exactly like he did before. But he couldn't get in. He didn't have the right level of clearance before. But this time he does. Hair Mask walks up to the entrance and with a surprising delicacy, offers up Bob's severed eyeball to the scanner. Bob does. He's using Bob's eye to get access. Dutifully, the steel doors slide open. This way. The lift is at the end. Will it still be working? With the alarms going off? It depends on the level of the alert. In. Quickly. Going up. What triggered them? Why did they suddenly go off like that? I don't know. Was it us? I don't think so. And it was probably him? It. It. Three. There. That's the entrance to the secure area. How will we get the door open? I've got a couple of ideas I can try. Well, that didn't work. No. Let me try something else. Okay, what now? There's one more possibility. Oh, shit! Move out the way. I've got an idea. Lindsay? What the hell? 
Your friend really has no need for it anymore. How do I line up his eye with a scanner? Give it here. Oh. Sorry, Bob. I know you hated me, but it's nothing personal. Cautiously, we step over the threshold into the high security area. The doors slide closed behind us. The sound of the alarms ringing in the main building become distant and muffled. There is no light in the corridor. The floor is covered in a thick, luxurious carpet. Our feet tread silently as we advance towards a single door at the end, slightly ajar, a bright light shining within. Have you been in here before? Never. It's just a corridor with a room at the end. What's so secret about that? It depends what's in the room. Should we burst through the door? Oh, you think we should knock? Let Herr Mask know we're waiting outside. All right, then. All right. Ready? I open the door and step into the room beyond. I find myself in a clearing in a forest. Beneath the spreading boughs of an ancient oak tree is a hospital bed. A patient lies there, silent, still, eyes closed, breathing regulated to a precise mechanical rhythm. An AI nurse built into the head of the bed monitors the patient constantly, the red beam of the scanner visible as it passes across her body at a slow, steady pace. As I take a step closer, the figure in the bed stirs. Dan. You're Evie. Sarah said you'd be the one to find me. Where is Sarah? Where is this place? This is the blink of an eye. I am about to die. It is imminent. Don't die. I don't want anyone else to die. We're all just dying, aren't we? When you think about it. Don't die. I have to. I'm not useful anymore. What's changed? I had the baby. She must take my place as one of the four. She is the last hope. The demon has her now. You have to get her back. One of the four? Her witches. There are always four. They must be together. Only then do they have the power to change the course of things. How do you know this? I was one. She will replace me when I'm gone. Find her. Take her back to Sarah. There is nothing else to be done. Don't fall asleep, Evie. I need to know more. I don't know what I'm doing. I need more. Would you hold my hand? Of course. Please don't die. I'm not dying. I'm going back to where I came from. Going home? Yes. I'm going home. Her eyes grow distant. Her hand had been gripping mine firmly, but the tension relaxes. A crow lands on the metal rail at the end of the bed. It caws once, looking directly at me, and flies off, the sensors tracking Evie's heartbeat flatline. As it does so, the shoots of plants begin sprouting up from every part of her body. They grow at an incredible rate, as if she's being transformed in some speeded-up time-lapse sequence. After only a few moments, the hospital bed and the corpse lying in it have been subsumed into the landscape. <laughs>
so that it would be impossible to tell it was ever there. Unless, like me, you knew otherwise. Dan! <gasps> what is it? You zoned out. Where's it gone? What? The, 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 the tree. We were in a clearing in the forest. No, we weren't. Are we going in or what? In where? The room. I thought we were ready to do this. We haven't opened the door yet. No, of course we haven't. We decided to burst in just a second ago. It was just the blink of an eye. Shall we then? There's no need. The danger's past. We open the door and enter the room. Evie is in the hospital bed as before. But there is no glade in the forest. She's dead. I know. Where is the baby? Herr Maskaza. How do you know it's a girl? Evie told me. That's not what I was expecting. What? This area must be monitored. There must be video where we can see what happened. Well, the best opportunity might be to try and hack into the AI nurse. It must be harvesting a vast amount of data. Can you do that? I can try. <gasps> Something's coming. It could be him. It. It could be it. Well, where do we go? There's nowhere to run. The handle turns and the door gradually opens. It seems to take forever. I think this must be what it's like to take your final breath. Time slows to a crawl when you know it's the end. There's something beautiful about it. Come with me. Dad? Quickly, it's not safe. Well, what are you doing here? This way. You don't work here, you're retired. This is not the time. Bob's dead. Did you know that? Someone stabbed him. Something stabbed him. And Evie Bennett's dead too. Why was she being held here? Just follow me. Everything will be all right. Where are we going? To the roof. Mr Fordingbridge wants to see you at the manor house. You're sending an autonocopter. No, I'm not going anywhere with you until you start being honest with me. Either you come with me voluntarily or I will sedate you and drag you out. Which is it to be? He turns and obediently we follow. I don't have the resources to fight him now. The autonocopter waits on the roof like a well-trained dog. We climb inside. It knows how many passengers to expect. It's probably analysed our DNA to check we're the right people. The doors automatically pop shut and the electric rotors whir into action, lifting us up and away from Harland, which is just beginning to awaken as the sun rises on a clear new October day. is a BBC Audio production for BBC Radio 4. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.